My favorite station. Don't go anywhere. You're experiencing the power of education radio broadcasting. Feel, feel the power. Uh, listeners, you need to wrap your ears around this. A conversation with Simon Finch. He is my go-to buddy for online safety. Simon, welcome to the show. How the devil are you? Morning, Russell. I am very well, thank you. Very good indeed. Good to hear you. Thank you so much. I'm very interested um, to hear about your experiences, your most recent experiences on your uh, numerous tours around the country where you're invited into schools to speak to young folk. What are the current set of challenges around online safety for young people right now? Well, now that is that is a great question. The, the first thing I will say is, and I say this every time I'm, I'm asked to speak about this, is, is that I firmly believe that social media is, is a, a force for good and can be a force for good. I mean, it is social and it is media and that is not complicated. It's about people and it's about video and it's about audio. And so you know, that, that is our first line is that so many young people and old people like ourselves gain so much in terms of interaction and knowledge and sharing and stuff. So there is that part of it. And then you're right to ask the question, well, what are the challenges too? And we could, I could talk all day about this but there's, we could uh, talk about bullying is still a, a concern uh, and I wonder if there has been any point to the work that I've done over the last uh, 13 or 14 years that uh, online safety has been my specialism I suppose or the work that I do predominantly and yet two weeks ago I received a call an email from a school wanting me to come and really the, you know, the, the the gist of it is will you come and frighten and scare our children because they've been behaving badly online and i really felt and hoped that we could have moved beyond that so one of the challenges we have is that we have so much to do in terms of moving adults forward to, from demonizing young people on social media and understanding that our young people behave online in the same way as the adults who are their role models behave. And so, of course, we see young people bullying each other, but if ever there has been a time to see adults bullying each other, it has been since, for example, 2016, we can mention Brexit here and see the polarization of, of views and the willingness of, of people, our peers, Russell, your people we know who bully each other online. You only have to go also into the... The, the teachers' groups that we see on social media, and I'll keep that vague, but I see governors, I see school leaders, and I see uh, teachers speaking with each other in the most disgraceful way online as if it didn't matter. And so we have those challenges for young people is how, we, how do we move them forward? And that is about embedding digital literacy, but also digital citizenship and about values and about empathy and about consideration. So to, to dig into further parts of, of of areas of concern would be about body image and that we can see that in recent times Instagram has, has stated that it is going to remove some of its uh, filters which, which create the impression of cosmetic surgery and we've seen for, for several years now the, the, the smoothing of skin, the changing of shape, the, the, the Disney animal eyes uh, that, that, that are, are options and we, we, we now see this kind of dysmorphic the word of a view that, that people have of themselves that we don't want to be seen in public because people have only seen the pictures that we have generated online of ourselves which are better versions of how we believe so there is that part but the bit that I really um, see as my focus at the moment 
is about digital relationships. Mm. Now, this is about the older students, but you have to start with the younger ones in the same way as that we teach uh, and, and discuss with young people in primary school about relationships, about about you know, where babies come from and, and the birds and the bees and all of that stuff. By the time we get to secondary school, to sixth form and university, we need to do so much more in understanding the pressures that we feel if we are uh, having a relationship with a, you know, with a, a significant other, with a boy or a girl, you know, whichever that is, and what that means. And for me and you, Russell, and I don't want to make any assumptions here, but we, we are slightly longer in the tooth and a little older. Uh, it is different for us, but to understand the pressure the intimacy, the intensity of a relationship online, of, of suddenly you have access to passwords that you can see uh, uh, praise and, and, and intimate words of I love you and I and, and you are so special and you're the best person and we see that floating over on WhatsApp, we see it in the Instagram messages, we would see it over on Facebook. We'd see, and so what happens when that relationship ends? That is a really important question about the, the hurt and the pain of being dumped or of, 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 of losing a partner. But what happens to that collateral stuff? All of those intimate images, all of those intimate words. Well, we know what happens is that we end up in a place of revenge porn, for example. And so we see uh, that youngsters copying the adults. Remember, it's the adults that created the Rate My Ex website where people will just pour out revenge porn uh, as a way of getting back at their partner. So we need to spend a lot of time nurturing uh, the young people in our care to behave with consideration and with care and with understanding and with tolerance that when a relationship is over, all of those intimate things that in my day, and I can't speak for you for Russell, but it must be much the same, is that we had cards, you know, we had little gift cards and we had tags and that we had little presents and we put those into a shoebox and we either burnt them at the end of the relationship or we kept them somewhere safe, you know, or we tore up the picture that we, the photo of us both together, or we kept it but what are we doing to teach young people about what to do with those things and, and the work that I have done in school so far uh, is about saying well perhaps the way we need to think about it is that we lease this content that all of those WhatsApp conversations and those images and, and one of the things that I also spend a lot of time on is about sexting is that that isn't necessarily images about you know, genitals and stuff. Most people work out very quickly. Those are quite scary images, but they are, they are sexualized images and, and, and uh, saucy images, you know, or, or risque images. And, and what happens to all of those things when the relationship ends? And and I'd, I suggest that we lease them. So we either put them into a secure digital vault and they put them in a folder or, or that we delete them and that we delete them forever. What we don't do is think that we still have ownership of those and that we will then share them with with our peers and you know, publicly to publicly shame them. But of course, we see adults doing that. Do you, so those, I yeah. suppose, are... Yeah. Oh, those, I, are, those are my, my primary concerns at the moment. And beautifully and so eloquently... Um, uh, uh, explain. Thank you so much for that. Um, uh, I think with age comes some wisdom, and, and uh, but I'm still worried that some adults think that some form of legislation is going to fix all the problems. And and I'd like to hear what your view about that might be. Well, that's that. <laughs> Here's the thing, is that I've just received uh, a letter through the post that I was doing 36 in a 30 zone, and I am deeply ashamed of that. 
But when I think about what it is that, that makes us drive more carefully, it is the threat of the financial uh, punishment, not the threat of, of, of doing harm to others. And we see that we still, every Christmas, need to have drink-drive campaigns uh, reminding adults that they shouldn't drink and drive because people will die and people will be injured. So if we take that through to our our digital life, and I spend so much time asking adults to stop talking about the virtual world and the real world. You know, the virtual world is the real world. It's got real people in it. And these are real people that we are abusing and, and, and showing lack of concern for and lack of respect and lack of empathy. And so we can say, well, yeah, we can legislate. You can force people. And, and, the, and the, we see this evidence already when we see politicians or, or people in the public eye who have been uh, exposed for something that they posted uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago that was racist or it was homophobic. And so you can threaten people into behaving if it's going to cost them money. I still see every morning, I live on a, a busy road with traffic lights at the end, and as I walk past with my dog, I look in the, the stationary cars and, and the slowly moving cars, and I will see every morning adults on their devices, on their phones. We, people say texting, of course, they're not texting, they're, check, texting, they're checking messages and, and uh, they're sending messages to images and, and, and so on. And so we see that, Adults will continue to do those things on the assumption that they won't get caught. The only way you can change that behavior is if you make the punishment, the penalty, big enough that I will lose my license. So that if you see in terms of that driving analogy that I was talking about is that I know that I can, I can by speeding while I feel embarrassed after that's only three points, I can go to 12. Mm. So you have this kind of, this thing of, well, I can be, I can be quite deviant in my behavior and it doesn't matter. So that if you turn to look at the behavior of people on, online, you have to find some way which is where there is instant punishment, like on-the-spot fines and a public humiliation. And if you start to see our public uh, recognition of that's what that person, this account is, is no longer viable. You can't speak to this person for the next month, for the next three months, because they... they um, contravened the, the terms and conditions of, of this particular channel. So that there has to be something more tangible because people respond to financial costs uh, or in terms of employment that they lose their jobs. You know, that's that's that analogy with driving. The thing about losing your license is that you, you lose your job at the same time. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Let's take this one stage further. When you're in a car, you're in a licensed vehicle, you're carrying a license because you've been identified. When you're online, your identification is not that easy, is it? No, it's not. And I think uh, it, it, when I when I knew that we were going to be speaking with each other, I was trying to decide about what is going to happen in the future. I think... One of the trends that we see, and you know because you've seen me speak over over the years, it was 10 years ago, I'd, my starter slide was privacy is dead. And, and really, that, I don't think I was aware then of really what I was saying. What I can see now is, is that there are so many companies, organizations that are holding pieces of information about us. 
and they are becoming interlinked. So you can see that, uh, for example, Facebook just buys up the next, they buy up all of the research companies for their AI and so on, but they, mm. so WhatsApp was, was, was popular, so they bought WhatsApp. Instagram was popular, so they bought Instagram. And so we get to this place where actually our identity starts to be shared. If you were to go to the car analogy, is that we're now getting to the place where uh, you know, cars open on in, in terms of uh, intimate connections, so about retina or about thumbprint and that we log into our car so that we can have all of our messages and all of our social media while we're driving and so that the car becomes intelligent when we go towards semi-driverless cars so in that case it becomes the 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 connection between driving and that license that we have starts to move over to our social media and i can remember five or six years ago that i think it was with google glasses remember google glasses Mm -hmm. that you would be able to an app that when you looked at somebody you would see their social media accounts around their head, you know, like sort of Disney birds. So you would see how that person was connected and by what their name was. And I think that there is a transition now. If we come, I'm just going to keep coming back to this driving thing because I think it's so interesting. Mm. Do you use Uber, then? If we talk about Uber, have you had a go of Uber at some point, Russell? Not personally, no. Well, here's the thing. is that I'm fairly late to the party on this. I've only had an Uber account for about two years. And what happens is, is that the drivers, you rate the driver, but the drivers rate you. And so you have a star rating, and it's out of five. And I have a five-star rating with Uber, which I, you know, I haven't given much thought to. But several times when I've discussed with people who use Uber, they have reached for my phone, and they've taken a picture of my five-star rating because it is a, a, a kind of unique, quirky thing that they want to show to somebody else. Now, this is really interesting because now I've realized is that in terms of my CV, in terms of my resume, my five-star rating apparently counts for something, slightly tongue-in-cheek. But it does count for something. Now, coming back to that thing about uh, where we have a driving offence, how does that impact on my on my Uber rating? And how would my Uber rating then uh, impact upon my Facebook rating, my WhatsApp rating, which inevitably will come, and my Instagram rating? So we start to see that we have a credit score. Now, I think this is where things get really interesting. Because you, can you remember about 10, 15 years ago, people couldn't get credit depending on their postcode. You know, so you go into the John Lewis partnership and you tell them what your postcode is. And they say, oh, no, we don't, we don't give store cards to people. But that happened. You know, that's, you were just kind of, so you may have been um, somebody like us, filthy rich with lots and lots of money. And then we, we somehow, our personal circumstances changed. So we, we found ourselves in a flat in, in one of those postcodes. And then we can't get a John Lewis card. Now, I think that the same thing is going to happen with certainly that thing that we were talking about in driving, but that my Uber rating will also be an interesting um, data set about my value. And then if we then move over to, and I was just saying before we started talking that I've just joined a gym in my twilight years. And so the gym is an interesting thing because I have a fob and it, it clocks and there is an app and it clocks when I go into the and how many hours and I have been 11 times since I've joined and what time of day that I went. So there's a piece of information that sits with me too. But then I could also, and maybe you have one of these, is have a Fitbit to have a, a, a device and, a, and an app that is measuring our heart rates and our uh, uh, pulse and our, you know, how many miles, how many steps, and all of this stuff. So then you then get to this thing about uh, if you apply for a job, and say, for example, I wanted to apply for a job with the NHS, then it takes a long time before you go face to face. What they use is is they use kind of artificial intelligence. You know, they, they use a whole load of algorithms 
on your information and the qualifications that you've got and your experience that you've got. And that would then take you through to, well, how many times does he go to the gym? What's his Uber rate? Also link it through to, have you got a clean license? Which comes back to where I started, you know, because that was always a factor when we were applying for a job. Have you got a clean license? Have you got to drive around? You know, if I want to work for Anderton Tiger, that would be one of the questions that you'd ask me, isn't it? Well, Simon, mm-hmm. have you got a clean license? Are you able to, to drive around responsibly all of our stuff? So this is where I think that we're going to is that these data sets will all meld together and take a view on whether we're employable, what our credit value is, as as well as whether we are um, kind of socially acceptable in terms of relationships and online dating and so on. And I think that is inescapable. But also then we end up in that place. Do you remember the movie Brazil? Yes. Well, we're there, but for it, it was actually a typewriter where a fly landed on the, on the, uh, on the printer, and Tuttle's name changed so that an innocent person was suddenly uh, you know, arrested, and and his life fell apart. And that is the the future that I fear that we may have, where we end up in a place where the. Uh, the interpretation, for example, I'm going to hospital a lot of times now because my mother has cancer, so I'm going every week and uh, or you know, every month. Does that then say, in terms of my data set, that as the hospital records that I'm using their Wi-Fi and I'm going, that I am a, a poor uh, prospect for employment because I've got this information that I need to go to hospital every week when, in fact, I'm not the poorly one? in the same way as that postcode thing that we talked about may have been actually no accurate marker of my my financial worth. These are interesting times, aren't they? They are indeed interesting, and you, you've raised some very, very interesting points and explained We should be frightened. Yeah, I think we should. I, I'm not sure that young people are frightened or even or even perceive the risks i'm i'm what i'm perhaps worried more about is that adults educating them still don't perceive the risk absolutely that is exactly what i've you've you've said in 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 10 words what it's just taken me 15 minutes to to struggle to say the the challenge we have is is the adults because as far as children are concerned you know children think christmas is ages away yeah you know, so that's, you know, whether and whether they are secondary pupils, you know, and and I used to be a secondary teacher, so that you were endlessly telling children that that, that uh, their exam was in three months' time, and then when their exam came around, they said, "What is it this week?" You know, an inability to 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 understand future and project forward, you know, and and to understand those things is 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 common of youth, and that only comes with with experience. So why would the children that I work with, I frequently work with nine, 10, 11 year olds in primary school. When I say in only six years time, what you have posted now could decide whether you get an apprenticeship or whether you go to place at college. <laughs> six years time, I'm just like 600 years time. Why would they understand that? So we need the adults to understand and to model this stuff. And that is really difficult because in fact, we can look through our peers, the people who will be listening to this, who will nod sagely. I have so many parents who come to my sessions and nod sagely at everything I say, and then I see them online <laughs> doing exactly the things that <laughs> that we were rather hoping that they wouldn't do, you know, about blaming children for, for the way that they behave online. 
indeed. And when we're seeing um, adults journey to other countries to try and approach the tech companies and ask them why, uh, sadly, their daughter lost their lives, took their own lives um, because of a self-harm video is is all mm-hmm. very, very interesting indeed. But I wonder how, how important parental engagement is when uh, parents are sending their kids to schools without being properly toilet trained, without being able to use a knife and fork. And I've seen this countless times, uh, both oh. ends, I have to say. And it's appalling. They seem to have outsourced their parenting skills uh, to the education system. Well, yes. <laughs> that's a tough one isn't it think, particularly you know, when you're think, speaking to parents no, it, is, it is exactly you're, you're, you could have interviewed yourself Russell and then you wouldn't have needed me because these are exactly the points that, that I make all of the time which is that uh, I feel like the person who goes into school and talks about uh, you know five pieces of fruit and veg a day is, is, is that the adults will very often say well you know we'll have Simon in for, for an hour and then that'll be that uh, you know we don't need to think about this for another when in fact it is a drip drip that must take place uh, you know every minute every interaction of and you see that with road safety for example you know yeah. this is like even if uh, you know when my kids are in their 20s now is if i'm crossing a road with them i grab hold of their arm and i look both ways before we cross roads if i'm by myself i just do that you know fearless weaving them out of the traffic and so <laughs> you're absolutely right is that the, the, until we we work with the parents and the teachers, you know, the adults responsible for young people is the, the, the phrase that I use. Mm. Then, the, then the, the young people uh, stand very little chance because what we, the very same people who uh, are complaining about the way that the young people behave online are the same ones who behave so disgracefully, and it is disgracefully, um, online themselves and so we you know we can and it's it's nuanced stuff of course there are people who are swearing and shouting out racist things there is that part of it but you know this is a spectrum we're on a we're on a a sliding scale so one of the bits that we could that i talk about a lot but i saw uh, was raised by others online last week which is that 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 dreadful tragedy of all of those poor people who lost their lives in that lorry what what, one of the observations by many was was that as the lorry was was being removed by the police and driven down the road there were adults who were clearly recording and live streaming the event and yet what seems to me to be so obvious as an is it because i'm an old person that that's consideration and empathy for the families is about that as that lorry went past i would have stopped smiling i would have stopped talking to my friends and i would have lowered my head a little bit and i would have been solemn for the moment of that it would not have crossed my mind for a moment to be thinking i'm going to get some likes i'm going to get some ratings i'm going to get some followers i'm going to get so i could go viral by videoing this which is what the question is and you know and we see this time and time again of, of adults who would rather record an incident than step up step forward and help this is what digital citizenship is about yeah you know people talk about it as being all kinds of other fancy things and about learning styles or something but it's digital citizenship is about consideration it's about helping your neighbor it's about wanting to be the person that supports somebody else to be the person that people want to be around absolutely it still bothers me enormously that folk go to special events to concerts and their only view of that concert is through the tiny little six inch screen because they've filmed it all where's the storage space for that going for starters where's the experience guard the the you know the we seem to have lost that that human experience has gone well yes 
yes, but I, it, and, and, and what what cynics would say is is that uh, social media has caused this. And one of the questions that I ask is, is whether social media holds up a, a mirror or a magnifying glass to the human condition. And you know, do, you know, are people worse than they would have been? And I suspect that it's a mirror. Actually, I think that people have always been so mean and so small-minded and and paid lip service to to consideration and and community because uh, we see so often now uh, a lack of tolerance and a, and a, a lack of uh, kindness when we saw you know when we see refugees uh, uh, and asylum seekers coming to this country and people but start to hark back to a time when when England was England and that's white and all of these things and yet none of this stuff makes any sense because we we have always been an island of and so people have come and gone and you know when the romans came here and they were italian i think they were certainly foreign you know and and, and angles and saxons weren't english you know they came from other countries and all that stuff and yet what we see is, is on social media is that people say, and they start with, they so often start their tweets and their, their thing with, I'm sorry, but. Yeah. And yet the last thing that they are is sorry. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, and we know these people. I know. That's the worry, isn't it, really? Some of us even elected them. Yes. <laughs> well, well, now, here's the other bit, right? <laughs> I think another thing that I... Uh, I started by saying I'm not sure if I've got answers, but I know what I'm, I'm concerned about is there has been a shift and we saw it with Trump and we see it with uh, Boris Johnson yep. is about lying as politicians. And that what Trump does so expertly, like a child, is that he tells a lie, which is, he knows isn't true. More people came to my parade than any other president, which is obviously a lie. The photos are there, but his next comment will be a bigger lie about something else yeah. so there's never any denial there's never any qualifying of it you don't need to do that and we see that uh boris johnson seems to be doing the same thing of just creating a, another lie we hark back to what i said on the bus but you just create another lie whereas of course we've always been cynical about polit politicians have been what we've described as economical with the truth so when they say they're announcing more spending and education yes and you know most most of us have worked out well that's because he just cut all of the funding to the uh the nurseries or to the hospitals yeah. or a and e or what you know that's that's how it goes is it real money is the question that you follow up but what we see now is is just blatant lies now of course what you would then see because these are celebrities these are influencers mm. that the adults that we've just been talking about will also see as well actually lying doesn't matter and that takes you through to digital literacy. And, and uh, you know, one of the things we could talk about, we saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, grilling or interviewing Zuckerberg. Did you see that? Yeah. I... And it, it just, and, and yeah, the nub of it was, she said, so will you take down uh, political content where you know that they are lying? And he said, no. I mean, that's, that's really what happened was. So if you then have that lies are just a legitimate part of the conversation, that it doesn't matter, then that just takes you to all, that takes us back to where I started or in the middle about you know, your, your financial credit rating and, and your fitness rating, your health rating and your eligibility to be a, a member of the community. Those, you know, all of that stuff just links together. Once you say that lying doesn't matter. Then the key has to be need, education. Need, it has to be education yeah. so that we have the wherewithal to spot those lies. Well, yes. 
and uh, I, you know, whilst I, you know, the other part is, I, I really hope I'm not demonising uh, you know, schools. I, I have such fabulous conversations with uh, with teachers and with pupils in schools. So I, I, I am forever hopeful. It, the progress is slow. Uh, but I was at a, a private school, a private girls' school, a couple of weeks ago, where they asked me to come and do uh, a kind of keynote and seminars on sex. And uh, you know, one of the key parts of that, and I told them that what I wanted to talk about was, was about how to sext more safely. And I was full of admiration for a school to to step forward and say, this is important. We need to provide this support and this guidance and this experience for our young people. Otherwise, there will be lambs to the slaughter when they leave us, as, as are all young people, you know, when they leave us to go on to adulthood. And I implore other schools to, if not get me, then get somebody else as good as me <laughs> to, to provide that support and guidance and leadership for, for teachers so that, they can, so that they can say, this is what is going to happen. These are the, this is the abuse that is going to happen, and this is how you manage it, and this is how you, you survive, and you don't end up in a place where you wish you weren't alive anymore with a, a digital tattoo. I talk about a tattoo rather than a footprint because footprints fade, whereas um, if you... If you <laughs> If you think of everything that you post online as a tattoo, then you know, you're going to have full sleeves by the time you're 16 as a starting point. Indeed. Simon, thank you very much indeed. Uh, an awful lot to talk about. And as ever, delightful guest and someone to chat and to check one's compass with. I'm pleased you're well, and thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us. Um, just, just finally before we go, where can folks book you? Where can they find you? Where are you on social media? Just remind us all, please. Well, you will find my website, which is simfinuk.com, and there is a, a contact page on there. There's also a bio, so you can see more about me. That site is... Uh, an area where I curate all of the things that you need as an adult who works with young people. Uh, so it's full of policies, news stories and resources for teaching uh, young people in primary through to uh, 18 and beyond. You would also find me over on Facebook. That would be Symphon UK. That's a page. Uh, you'd also find me on Instagram, which is Symphon UK. And over on Twitter, I'm Simfin, which is my original name. So that's S-I-M-F-I-N. I've been on Twitter for... Ooh, I think it was my 11th birthday yesterday on Twitter. So I've been there for for quite a while now. Um, but if you Google me, if you look for Simfin e-safety or online safety, then I'll pop up somewhere. You certainly will. Simon, thank you so much for your valuable expertise today. You're very welcome. Thank you, Russell. I love this station. I absolutely love this station. Oh, yeah. You guys are the best, best, best. It is the best station. <laughs> You're listening to Russell Prue, broadcasting on the Anderson Tiger Radio Network. By far my favorite station. You're the best. Oh, yeah. I love you guys. <laughs>